Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Brodo Fantasy Football Podcast. I am your host for today, Michael Petropolis, here with my twin brother, Jason. You're... What up, Jay? Chilling, killing. Timmy, as you probably heard on the review episode, is currently on a overnight field trip with his students, you know, teaching the youth in the woods. Mr. P out here in the middle of nowhere. Yeah, he was hoping he'd be able to at least call in, but... We got like one text from him yesterday, and the text just read, "My bad, I have no service out here." <laughs> so yeah, what happened? I told him he should uh he should detour the bus and just head up here, and then we could just do it from here. That would have been pretty glorious, but yeah, that's not happening. So uh, it's just me and Jay here today. Uh, we already released a review slash waiver episode um, on Tuesday. The waiver episode was free this week, so go listen to that if you haven't. Usually for patrons only decided to give like a midweek, uh, a mid-year happy birthday celebration episode to the people. So definitely go check that out and see what you're missing out on if you're not a patron yet. Broto.com. Excuse me. Patreon.com slash Fantasy. Red Cup News. One of our sponsors for all things college football. Thrive Fantasy. Get into a Thursday night Thrive Fantasy lineup and win some quiche. And then we are. Oh yeah, I uh, I used what you and Tim said on the review episode. Nice. I got my lineup in nice and easy right now. I'm looking to make some dough. And then of course we're gonna have the Thrive Five at the end of the second episode. Only the Cowboys and Ravens are on by, so we got an action-packed week with almost full full throttle for most teams. It's strange. It's the middle of the year. It is. I don't uh, understand why teams have buys on week four when there's only two teams on buy in week eight. Yeah. Week four buys suck for teams going down the stretch, but that's neither here nor there. You ready to start, Jay? Always. Let's do it. Welcome back to the Brodo Fantasy Football Podcast presented by BrotoFantasy.com. I'm your host, Tim Petrop, with my brothers, the only two twins that give you double that fantasy goodness, Michael and Jason Petrop. All right. Week eight. The halfway point, well, actually, regular season usually ends after week 13, so slightly after the halfway point. You just completed the over 50% threshold of the regular season, and it's pretty hilarious when you think about it because only seven weeks have passed, and there's teams going crazy, um, thinking their team is OD stacked, and then there's teams who are like, my team is so trash, and it just reached halfway through the regular season. There's still a lot of time to go. That's the craziest thing about fantasy football. By the time the playoffs come around, the team you thought that had the best team and the team you thought you had the worst team, everything could change. I remember um, last year in one of the Brodo that one of the Brodo redraft leagues, I was like two and five, and I knew my team was good, so I was hopeful that I'd make a comeback. I ended up six and seven due to points, getting the last spot and winning the championship. So there's still a wow, long boom. way to go. Same thing happened in one of our home leagues. Me and you both, both of us were two and five, and people were like, "What's going on?" and like. Ninth, tenth, and eleventh place, and we we're both like, "Bro, we're gonna win out. Don't worry." And we both won out and made it to the semis. So there's still a lot of time to go, but there's definitely some panic time for teams that are trash because there are some trash teams out there. Oh, of course. <laughs> but that's why we're here for waivers and start sit decisions and things of that sort. So let's start with the first week, first game on the docket here. Seven games coming at you: Chargers and Bears. <clears throat> we'll start with the Chargers side because. It's this been, game is just kind of yuck. It's been pretty ugly for the Chargers' offense and defense of late. How do you feel about Phillip Rivers here? I don't. I mean, Phillip Rivers on his best days is a high-end QB two, right? He doesn't really have that ceiling anymore in his career. Yep. The best game he's going to give you on the season is probably. I mean, he had twenty-five week one, but since then his best output has been twenty-one, and that's something that you can expect from him. And so when you have a more difficult matchup on the road. Against Chicago, he's having he's been having a tougher time. That whole offense has. I have Phillip Rivers as a back end QB two. I'm not touching him. Yeah, I'm with you. Not against Chicago, but since we got Phillip Rivers out of the way quickly, what everyone really wants to know that backfield between Melgo and Austin Eckler going against Chicago, which in the beginning of the year seemed like oh no, not Chicago, but Akeem Hicks is out now. Josh Jacobs torched them on the ground in London, and then Latavius Murray absolutely destroyed them last week on the ground. Both of them going over 100 yards. Melvin Gordon and Austin Eckler, the ever-weekly question ever since Melgo has returned. How are you approaching these two this week? Michael, I know you mentioned the Keem Hicks being out changes the whole Bears running defense. But are you really trusting Melvin Gordon? I have Melvin Gordon as my RB24. 
I'm at 25. <laughs> yeah. I mean, 28. Expert consensus has him at, um, give me one second, has him at 22. So we're both lower on him than most. Where you have I mean, Austin. He's, touch- he's a touchdown dependent player at this point. Yeah. He, uh, since he's returned, he's been just pretty damn awful overall. You can't, there's no other way to put it. 109 yards total on 49 carries. One rush over seven yards. Uh, that one Yikes. touchdown last week, which was a receiving touchdown from like two yards out, which he walked in. That super costly fumble at the goal line where Austin Eckler had a touchdown and it was reversed. And then they just give it to Melvin Gordon twice in a row. The first time, I was like, Dude. oh shit, he kind of almost fumbled, but he didn't get in. And then the second time, he didn't get in and he did fumble and they lost the game. Austin Eckler's the reason why they got back into that game. They yeah. lined the bump at the outside. He just was running by Huge linebackers. fourth quarter. That pump and go he had on the outside was beautiful. And then they bring in Malgo. So, on the other hand, since we don't necessarily like Malgo, I'm still firing up Eckler because if you're going to attack the Bears with the running back, it's going to be through the air. And look, man, Eckler has one game this season below 12 points. He has 15 and 22 and four in the three games with uh, Melvin Gordon. I think that last week showed the Chargers that they need to focus on winning more. And using Austin Eckler more is probably that formula. <laughs> Yeah, uh, Austin Eckler, expert consensus rankings right now, half PPR, is at 20. I think that's a little ridiculous. Um, I have him at 14th right now. He has one game less than uh, 12 fantasy points this season. Every other game has been 15 or higher, except the Pittsburgh game where it was where Melgo did most of the work. And look, last week, once I hit the fourth quarter, fourth quarter Austin Eckler took over, man. They needed to come back, and Austin Eckler was the one making plays for them. So I would not be surprised at all if it becomes a more of an Eckler game here over Melgo, and I wouldn't be surprised if he starts stealing snaps away from Melgo because, like you said, they have to win, and Austin Eckler has just been the better running back on every single level. Only five rushes last week, but he had the eight targets and seven receptions. Like like you said, prior to the season, we say every every week the running back for the for the Chargers is a, is a wide receiver one. So I like Austin Eckler this week. The pass catchers. Yeah, uh, we obviously don't like Philip Rivers. And so, disclaimer, since I'm a crazy person, I dream about football. And I dreamt that Mike Williams caught a touchdown the other day. That's a strange dream. It was like on Monday or something. Then I checked my phone. And I was like, wait, did Mike Williams score a touchdown this week? And he didn't. So I was like, that's weird. That is weird. So, disclaimer, fire up Mike Williams if you believe in dreams. Did that change your <laughs> rankings for him at all? Not at all. Uh, I have him at 45. This is not a matchup where I want to use Mike Williams. I'm not very excited about it. He's been touchdown dependent all year. This is someone that I don't have on any of my teams. The most catches he has in the game is six. It's crazy how uh, he had 10 touchdowns last season and not a single touchdown through seven weeks this year. And eventually it's going to come, and it could be this week. But his floor is just so low right now that he's nothing more than a wide receiver three with not much upside. I agree. I agree, and it's tough going against Chicago. Keenan Allen, on the other hand, I have him at 15, man, because, look, the way I'm looking at it, the Chargers need to win. They've been most successful when they're feeding Keenan Allen the ball. He had 11 targets last week, only turned into the floor for 61, so pretty inefficient. But he had the 11 targets. First time he had double-digit targets since week three after those first three weeks where he went off to start the season. I'm pretty hopeful that he could at least have, like, a seven-reception, 90-yard game this week because Kendall Fuller, Prince of Mukamara, it's not a— Super difficult matchup. They're just an overall defensive unit that's very good. But if they, if Russell Okung is supposed to be back, he's supposed to be limited, but he's supposed to play a bit. That should help the offensive line. I kind of like Austin Eckler as a wide receiver too this week. I'm, I'm not sitting him, is what I'm saying. You mean Allen? You said Eckler. Oh, uh, yeah, Allen. If the Chargers want to win, it's going to have to be an Allen Eckler Henry attack with quick passes across the middle of the field type game. I agree. Where do you got uh, Hunter Henry? I have him at seven. Yeah. Um, uh, I mean, he's come back with a bang. As I have Eight him at five. for 100 yards and then six for 97. Throwing two touchdowns against Pitt. Uh, Phillip Rivers' toy is back, and he's loving it. So you have to start him. Yeah. It doesn't matter if I have him at seven and you at five. You're firing up Hunter Henry. I agree. Locked and loaded. Um, The Bears. Do you want to start anyone other than Allen Robinson on this unit? By this, you this know point. I'm not even happy about starting Allen Robinson, so the answer is no. But at least Allen Robinson's been useful as a wide receiver too, you know? And he has reached the 
half PPR over 15 points back to back week. So maybe he's uh, actually turning like a corner records. here. Breaking records. Yeah. Allen Robinson is finally living up to everyone who was like, oh, yeah, Allen Robinson. Blah, blah, blah. Record breaker. Yeah. So he's finally playing well, but you can't expect Mitch Trubisky to throw 50 times every game. You can't expect and Allen Robinson to get 16 targets. He had 10 receptions last week, but that was 87 yards on those 10 targets. Uh, Dude, me, what about... Blah. Well, I mean, I'm sorry. I just had to get to this because it's eating at me. We, we're cool with Allen Robinson. Not really cool with any of the other starters. Uh, wide receivers. They go into a bye. They get their starting quarterback back. And then their young... Running back at this one, a third round pick on gets four touches. Yep. Mike four Davis, touches, it was David look, Montgomery. Terry Cohen went nine receptions for 19 yards. There's oh no way you goodness. could start anyone in that backfield, right? Dude, it's hard to go nine for 19. Yeah. I got David Montgomery. His expert consensus ranking is 26. We're talking about a guy who just got two total rushes. I have him at 36. I'd rather start Terry Cohen. Yeah, I have him at 32. Uh, I don't know if I'd rather. I have Terry Cohen down at forty. I feel like they're gonna. They were talking about establishing the run more, and Cohen only had three rushes last week. Nine for nineteen is absolutely hilarious receiving. So, I just don't see the upside in really either of them this week. Dude, we thought that Jamison Crowder week one fourteen for ninety nine or something was bad. Fifteen nine for, for nineteen has to be a record. Oh yeah, and then Austin Eckler went fifteen for eighty six. That's what I was thinking. Uh, Trey Burton's a complete afterthought at this point. Correct. Yeah. Anyone else you want to talk to you about this game? Talk about. Uh, we're, not, excuse me. we're not starting the troops, Meister. And we could take some cheap shots since Tim's not here and Trubisky's trashed. But, but uh, I mean, I think we've uh, really dominated that argument so far this season. So we'll give Tim a break since he's not here. I mean, in Trubisky's defense, I always said he was a better fantasy quarterback than real life quarterback, and he's actually played four full games, and he in was two the- of those, he. QB 12 last week. Hilarious. That he was yeah, he's reached 20 points in half of those games. So I don't see, like, maybe week nine against Philadelphia, we're recommending Trubisky. If you hear but, a dog barking in the background, yeah, that's Jason's that's my... roommate in Ithaca. He has one of the cutest dogs of all time. But, yeah, shout it's out funny, to the dog. He was like, oh, you're recording, Brodo, so I shouldn't, like, I won't knock on your door or anything while you're recording. But you can't stop your dog from barking. Yeah, he's probably like, shh. All right, next up. Everyone knows by now that me and Tim went to the Jets game. Next up is the Jets. Yikes. I guess we'll start with the Jets because that performance was absolutely abysmal on every single level. Holy moly. Watching that game live, I was like, one one takeaway. All the Patriots were doing is running cover zero, which is just line up on your man. Everyone else go after the quarterback, and they were not adapting. Like Robbie Anderson, eight yards away from a safety lined up in the slot instead of just running a quick drag. He's running at the safety, trying to go past him, and Darnold's getting sacked or throwing an interception. Dude, all those... Darnold's throwing it off his back foot to receivers that aren't even looking at him, still running routes 20 yards down the field. Like, wake up. Ridiculous. Not the, the play calling. I The coaching was the worst part of that game. Yeah. Secondly, the other takeaway, Sony Michelle is a real piece of trash. Watching him live, the dude cannot run. He fell into the end zone three times, but he had 20 run rushes for like 45 yards. It was disgusting. But that we'll talk about that when the Patriots come. Here, Sam Darnold, uh, we're still on the stash Sam Darnold bandwagon, right? Like you didn't have hundred percent. You yeah. didn't pick him up for New England and Jacksonville. Jacksonville, eh. It's not a terrible matchup. But you picked him up for after that against Miami, New York, Washington, Oakland, Cincy, and Miami in a row. That's like the <laughs> best single schedule you could ever have. So yeah, Dude. we're still on the stash Darnold bandwagon. The Jets could win. The Jets could still make the playoffs. I'm holding out hope. I'm a hopeful fan. I wish, but Sam Darnold under with negative points last week. There was someone on Twitter who had, who was up by three starting Sam Darnold and lost. Why are you starting a quarterback? Like, I know you want to get points, but yeah, that's stupid. I, a quarterback <laughs> against the Patriots when you're up by three, I'm good. But yeah, you're not starting Darnold um, in one QB leagues unless you really... Yeah, I on. think the interesting... Because we've been all over the Jamison Crowder bandwagon. DJ Hayden has been the best cornerback for that Jaguars team. Last week, Tyler Boyd had 14 targets, only came away with 5 and 55. Uh, and then we saw Crowder only get five targets last week in a game that was despicable. 
this isn't a week where I love Jamison Crowder. Uh, I'm deciding between him, Auden Tate, and Dorsett right now, and I think Crowder is my odd man out after doing my uh, my research for this podcast because I just don't see a good game coming for him. It, it is a little tough. I have him at wide receiver 37, so right on the wide receiver, low wide receiver 38. Three, flex precipice, yeah, so right there. Um, I have Robbie Anderson at 33 because, look, one for 10, you hate to see it, but eight targets as someone who is at the game he had Rob Darnold had Robbie Anderson for a 50 yard touchdown at the end of the game, just overthrew him. Had him for a couple big gains and possibly a touchdown across the field earlier. Darnold overthrew him. So there was Robbie Anderson, instead of a one for 10, could have had a four for 100 and a touchdown. And everyone would, he'd probably be ranked inside the top 15 receivers this week. But it didn't happen, and Sam Darnold obviously struggled. So you have to take precautions here. But I like him as a wide receiver three this week against Jacksonville without Jalen Ramsey there anymore. That's what Robbie is, man. A high upside auto series three. You take the highs with the lows. Uh, now you hope that with this stretch coming up until even week 15, they're playing Baltimore, who has been bad against the pass. And then week 16, Pitt hasn't been great. They Literally, Robbie Anderson is set up for success the rest of the year. Yeah. Uh, Chris Herndon, you can't really trust his first game back if he does return. But someone good to stash and should be a great tight end option for teams that are struggling at tight end the upcoming weeks. Le'Veon Bell. The lone bright spot against uh, New England. He went 15 for 70. There were a lot of runs where he had no space at all, and he made something out of nothing. But now back-to-back weeks with only one reception, which you don't like to see. But again, the whole Jets offense was terrible last week. I have him as my running back eight. I'm firing him up as a RB1, and I'm not even thinking twice about it. The work, the work for Bell is ridiculous. All right, to the Jaguars then. Um, Gardner Minshew, I think, is a decent streamer. I have Gardner Minshew uh, at number 10, actually, this week. He's been decent for a while now. He's basically entrenched himself in the 10 to 14 range. He puts up between 16 and 21 every game, except for against New Orleans. So if you want reliable points, Minshew has done that. Because even last week where he struggled through the air, nine rushes for 48 yards. And it's not like that came out of nowhere. Because week five, seven for 42. Week two, six for 56. So it's not like this was a new thing. If he's not passing well, he's going to run. So Gardner Minshew has become a safer high-end QB, too. Yeah, I agree. And against the Jets, the Jets have not been an a really easy matchup, but they definitely haven't been a difficult matchup. They're right in the middle of the pack there against QBs. And this should be a solid game for Gardner Minshew. He's established a very solid floor besides that New Orleans Saints game. So I like him this week against the Jets as a streaming option. Um, Leonard Fournette. We just saw Sony Michelle score three touchdowns against the Jets. Uh, the Jets have been susceptible to the run this season. Leonard Fournette is an absolute workhorse. Uh, only one touchdown despite being second in the league in rushing yards. The two around him have seven each. So it's it's been quite a year for Leonard Fournette. There's obviously some touchdown aggression coming. You have to expect it. I would not be surprised if he finds the end zone this week against the Jets. I think isn't he has had at least 20 rushes each of the last four weeks after not surpassing 15 the first three weeks. They're really buying into the hand the ball off to Leonard Fournette uh, script here in Jacksonville. He's getting receptions every game. I got Fournette at six, and I might even move him up before the uh, the year ends, uh, the week starts. Yeah, <laughs> I have him at five. I mean, there's nothing not to like, honestly. What about the uh, the pass catchers here? DJ Chark D- and D.D. Westbrook. I think not much has changed. Chark is a wide receiver two. Westbrook back end wide receiver three flex play. Chark has disappointed a bit in recent weeks. Um, only 11 targets in the last two weeks after seeing 11 targets the week before. But he's still the number one in that offense. We've seen his playmaking abilities. And it's not like he's been killing you. He put up six and nine in the last two weeks. Everyone is allowed some blips, especially when Fournette's getting 30 rushes against Cincinnati. So I'd say not to worry yet. I'm still firing up DJ Chark happily. A get a get right game here against the Jets. And also DD Westbrook, eleven, eight, and nine targets the last three weeks. Eighty two yards, fifty three yards, hundred three yards. Hasn't found the end zone, but he's been a very solid option in PPR and even half PPR. I like him as a mid wide receiver three this week. The Jets yeah. are the Jets are great against a tight end, so you wouldn't be starting Jeff Swaim or anyone like that anyways. Josh Oliver. I miss James O'Shawn Hennessy. I know. He was actually scoring some touchdowns, man. To the Buccaneers and the Titans. 
Oh, Buccaneers. Jameis Winston. Oh, I'm a Titan. Oh, I'm a pirate. The Buccaneers. That was solid. Who would win in the fight? Buccaneers or Titans? Titans. Definitely Titans. Yeah. What kind of question was that? Fucking pirates. All right. All right. If there was a giant NFL, NFL battle royale, just from the names of the teams. The Jets. No one's going to take down a bunch of flying Jets. That's not a bad one. I was going to say maybe the Lions. <laughs> maybe the Browns, but what the Who's fuck is a Brown? Who's taking down 50 Lions? Jets. Flying Jets crashing into them. <laughs> crashing into them. That's an awful way to do it. Why? They're jets. All right, just then put the... Because then you're just killing yourself. It's not a suicide battle. Stick them battle. in the uh, exhaust pipe of the plane. The whole point <laughs> is fucking shooting things from jets. Fighter yeah. jets, dog. That's true. I'm an idiot. Whatever. Jameis Winston, um, back from his bye week, going against Tennessee. So not a great matchup. Where do you have Jameis Winston here? Tennessee has been very good this year against the quarterback. Winston, uh, sorry, Tennessee has been very good this year against quarterback. Jameis Winston has also performed, I'm not going to say well, but fantasy-relevant-wise against almost every team he's placed yeah. since week three. So I have him as a quarterback 12. Uh, I'm sorry, not 12, 10. Interesting. I, I think he's still a back in QB1. I mean, Carolina defense has been destroying teams. And he put up 17 against them, threw for 400 yards. I mean, he threw five uh, interceptions. Yeah, but it's a Bruce Arians offense. That doesn't matter to us. New Orleans, he put up 17 with only 15 completions. And then they just had a bye week. So if you need to use Winston as a QB1, I'm not I'm not going to say no. I have my QB14, so a little bit further behind you. But, yeah, he's more of a streaming option this week. The wide receivers, Mike Evans and Chris Godwin. Chris Godwin owners probably missed him dearly last week. Um, he's just been a stud every way you look at it this season. Um, so how are you approaching Chris Godwin and Mike Evans? Because it's a tough matchup, again, going against Tennessee, Adoree Jackson and company, especially the outside has been most efficient against them. Good for Mike Evans, not so good for Chris Godwin. But again, Chris Godwin has f- four times this season has been a top six receiver, only has one game where he disappointed at least 20 fantasy points in four of six games. So I have Chris Godwin as my wide receiver four overall, and Mike Evans as my wide receiver 12. Where there is hope for a decent Jameis Winston game, even against a tough defense, there is, of course, hope for decent Godwin and Evan games. And Godwin has been unstoppable, so really you can't expect anything less than 20 points at this point. And then Mike Evans is, of course, a bigger question mark. I would not be surprised if this is another one of his dud games. It's a tough matchup. He had a tough Coming matchup. Coming out of a against... bye helps. It does help that he came out of a bye. But we saw what he did against New Orleans, which was a tough matchup. We saw what he did against San Francisco week one, which was a tough matchup. Two for 28. New Orleans, he didn't even have a catch. That was his donut. So Mike Evans has never really been the guy who's going to beat very good defenses. But he does have the capability, and we've seen it before. Yeah. So there's dud potential here. There's also but you can fire him up. Big potential as always with Mike Evans, though. OJ Howard. The Titans have been susceptible to. Excuse me. The Titans have been susceptible to the tight ends. Any chance you're trusting OJ Howard out of the bye? I say no. Nope. Uh, I I have a lot of guys over him. I'd rather stream Johnny Smith if Delaney Walker's out. So I I don't love. O.J. Howard, by any means, he just has not shown to be any part of the offense. You know what I don't drink anymore? What's that? Orange juice. Because of O.J. Howard. True story. I cry every time I see him. Not actually. Joking. I don't even really have him on any teams. I never really drafted him. Ronald Jones and Peyton Baba. Both of these guys, look, you can't trust. Hopefully coming out of a bye. Like Bruce Arians was like, look, we need to win games. Let's use our best running back, a.k.a. Ronald Jones. Because I mean, yo, still not saying much. Yeah, four rush attempts last week for Kenyon. Excuse me, the week prior for Kenyon Drake prior to the bye, compared to eight for Peyton Barber. They just keep going back and forth all season. Even though Ronald Jones has been much more efficient, Dario Ogunbowale is stealing the passing down work. They're both Listen, low ceiling flex plays in my opinion, but I prefer Ronald Jones. Also, much more efficient isn't that much more efficient. I mean, he has four point four yards per attempt, which isn't awful. It's not great. Like, you see his numbers, and it's never anything that pops off the page. He hasn't passed 80 rushing yards in a game this year. He even had 19 carries in a game and didn't pass 80 yards. 
And the most receptions he has in a game is two. And Tennessee's a good defense. And with Winston throwing, and Dari Agbenwale is the main receiving back, I'm not touching either of those guys. You know who's next? Tennessee, Tennessee. Tennessee. Tennessee, are you streaming? Ryan. Ryan motherfucking Mo Tannehill. Fucking true throw value. Ryan motherfucking true season. throw value Tannehill. Tannehill. I don't hate Man. him as a streaming option against Tampa, bro. Mr. Efficient, huh? 23 for 29, 300 yards, two touchdowns. He looked good. Heaven's my 13th quarterback against Tampa Bay, man. It's not even that he looked good. It's that he looked like he could be the quarterback Tennessee needs to win games. Yeah. Because they're a defense first team. Let me tell you why. Um, But you're going to stream Ryan Tannehill? I have him at 13. You want to know why? I have him at 14. The Buccaneers have allowed... 315 total rushing yards to court to running backs this season, Jay. 315. If they ever get beat by the running backs through the air, Derrick Henry is not involved in the passing game. Christian McCaffrey, in two games against Tampa Bay, has ran 38 times for 68 yards. Saquon Barkley ran eight times for 10 yards before he got hurt, and then Gallman didn't have success. Todd Gurley ran five for 16. Kamara, 16 for 62. Matt Breida, 15 for 37, and company. Tevin Coleman, 6 for 23. Raheem Mostert didn't have any any uh, good runs against the Bucks. They have been absolutely devastating against the run, and they've been absolutely atrocious against the pass. So if the Titans are smart, they're just going to throw it all over them. So I'm Honestly, really... All that did was make me want to move Derrick Henry down my rankings. Yeah, I have Derrick Henry as my RB19. I have him super oh, so. low. So you're buying into it, the I, Tampa Bay effect. Expert consensus rankings has him at 10. I have him at 19. Look, he's not involved in the in the uh, passing game, dude, at all. So how do you all expect right, him so to have success? Let's uh, let's do something real quick. It's since, all since you're, it's all people you're typically People you're typically not going to start over Derrick Henry. Maybe this week you will. Chase Edmonds. If DJ's out, Chase Edmonds. Philip Lindsay. Lindsay. Coleman? Tevin? I have Tevin Coleman higher too. Ty Johnson. I have Ty Johnson higher. Eckler? I have Austin Eckler higher. Interesting. All right. Devontae Freeman? I have Devontae Freeman right behind Derrick Henry. This depends on Matt Schaub and Matt Ryan too, though. All right. So. You're starting some new guys over Derrick Henry. I like the I'm, bold move. I'm low on Derrick Henry, which means if I'm so high in the passing game and I, excuse me, the running game, and I'm and I like Ryan Tannehill as a streamer, fire up, good old Corey, Markevius Davis. Markevius Davis. Kidding. His middle name is not Markevius. I was just thinking of Markevius Mingo for some reason, and I, I just changed it now. to Markevius. Um, I feel like he'd have a cool middle name though. That's why I said Mark. I'm, I'm looking at it. You could talk about him. I'm Yo, Corey Davis, though. Is Ryan Tannehill making him real? Is this real live? I Dude, have four fingers. Shut up. <laughs> six for 70. Excuse me. Six for seven receptions and targets. 80 yards and a touchdown last week against Ryan Tannehill. He was looking like a stud, looking like the number four overall pick. Ryan Tannehill was feeding him. And now against Tampa Bay, which is second worst in the league against wide receivers. I'm firing him up, man. I have him as my wide receiver 24 this week. Corey Damon Davis. Corey Damon. He's likely to have a good game this week. I have him at 35. I like him as wide receiver 3. I think to make him a wide receiver 2 after one game with Tannehill. I'm doing it. Is a little ballsy. I'm doing it. Um, But I also have A.J. Brown right behind him because he also saw eight targets from Tannehill. I got, he came down with 664. Yeah, I got A.J. Brown at 41. So I think we're both cool starting Davis and Brown this week, which is not something we would be saying if Mariota was starting. Yeah, Delaney Walker is likely going to be out. Johnny Smith, I have as my tight end 12. Are you cool with streaming Johnny Smith? I mean, he's a younger, more athletic tight end. He went 3 for 64 last week instead of uh, Delaney Walker when Delaney Walker got hurt. At the moment, I have Delaney Walker ranked 14th, and I can't see myself This is a plus-plus matchup, though, for the tight end against Tampa. Like uh, maybe I'd start him they've over. Been, they've been almost Cardinals level atrocious against the tight end. There's a lot of plus matchups for tight ends this week, though. Dawson Knox going against the Eagles. Hawkinson's playing the Giants. Dawson Knox did lose some work against them. 
to even Josh Hill is playing there. the Cardinals. Just saying. Yeah, that is interesting. Interesting. Next up on the docket, the Denver Broncos and the Indianapolis Colts. Cortland Sutton time should be in full effect with Emmanuel Sanders out the door. Do you agree? I have Cortland Sutton as my wide receiver thirteen this week. Look, I Cortland Sutton is the person I was most wrong about this season. And it's not even like he's lighting up the world. He just very consistently been a wide receiver too. Yeah. Between 10 and 21 points every week, except for against Chicago, which, all right, that's a tough matchup. So I have him at wide receiver 16. Uh, I don't think there's anything about the Colts defense that's super scary. They haven't been too bad against, uh, against wide receivers. And then Flacco has – I have a trivia question for you. Hit me. How many games this season has Flacco thrown more than one touchdown? Hmm. More than one? One. Yeah. One. So that's I was the right. only reason why. Yeah, it's okay. one. That's why his ceiling's been capped. But when you have someone with a safe floor, and this that's why I didn't like Sutton because of Flacco, but now that he's established a safe floor, Sanders is out. And the touchdowns have to come eventually. Yeah. Especially a receiver the size. That's someone you fire up. Of Cortland Sutton. I want to talk about Deshaun Hamilton. I don't think he's getting enough love with Emmanuel Sanders out. Look, all, I'm, I'm all for Emmanuel Sanders. He recovered quickly as an old man. Deshaun Hamilton is now... Old man. Deshaun Hamilton's a younger version of Emmanuel Sanders who excelled last year out of the uh, slot during the fantasy playoffs. I think he's a person that you should pick up now uh, as while he's 7% owned because if he plays well this week, everyone's going to be rushing to the waiver wire for him. I'm not... Really boarding the Deshaun Hamilton train, man. Emmanuel Sanders was running out of the slot less than 40% of the time this season, which was odd. Deshaun Hamilton, even last year when he was like, oh, yeah, he's coming on, he was catching like seven passes for 80 yards, uh, not 80 yards, for like 40 yards. So it's really tough to trust him here, in my opinion. Can he become more of a decent option? In PPR, I like him a lot more. Half PPR, um, it's a lot more questionable for me. I don't love him this week, and... I wouldn't. I wouldn't spend a lot of fab to get him. Is what I'm saying. I think he's more of just like a wait and see type of guy. Pick him up now with a low ceiling. Yeah, you could pick him up now, but I don't love it. To the running backs, Philip Lindsay and Devontae Freeman. Philip Lindsay had his first uh, game last week where it was like, damn, why did I start Philip Lindsay? Even though it was a tremendous matchup against KC. Eleven rushes for (laughs) eleven rushes for (laughs) thirty-six yards. One reception for negative four yards. This was coming off back-to-back great games for fantasy where he put it up 23 happens. and 15. It, it does. It does. Let's not get crazy. But if he, anything, he lost work to Royce Freeman. Yeah, because Freeman has been a decent option all year as a flex play. And Look Indy, at his rush attempts. There's only been one game that he has less than 10 rush attempts this season. Yeah, there. it's like a completely even split between those two. It's pretty nuts. Just Philip Lindsay tends to get the goal line work uh but philip Lindsay, i mean excuse me the colts are top 10 against the rush so far in fantasy this year so i think people are a little high in both of them i have philip Lindsay at 18 and royce freeman at 25 i saw i think expert consensus for royce freeman just a second they have him at 23 23 i, I, don't, I think it's a little high i'm also he's a been good lower. man he's safe he's not going to disappoint yeah, he's going to get you like 8 to 12 8 and 15 yeah, get the Which at the end pass. of the week is going to be running back 21 or 22 yeah. or 23. So obviously you're not starting Flacco. No. Any chance you try to take a shot on Noah Fant in a tremendous Fant. matchup. Right. I just had to say it. We speak he about guru. every player. We speak about no every, Fant, every player. Guru. The Indianapolis Colts. Jacoby Brissett just won't stop throwing touchdowns. It's a little weird in my opinion. <laughs> like he's been so... Hyper-efficient throwing touchdowns. He's 14 passing touchdowns this year. He just lit up Houston, dude. Yeah, at, at least two touchdowns in every game except the one against KC where they just ran it down KC's throat. Now he's going to Denver. It's I have him at QB 14. I'm lower than consensus. What scares me is that they're going to Denver. Uh, excuse me, they're at home against Denver, but they're playing against Denver. Still have Chris Harris. Their pass defense has been a lot more improved than it was in the beginning of the year. The only two teams that they played against that have been good against the quarterback in fantasy fantasy this year, the Chargers and the Titans. He put up 17 against both of them. 
uh, 12 against KC in the running game, and then the other three games he put up over 20. It just I don't love him in this matchup against Denver. So are you streaming Brissett or Tannehill? I got Tannehill at 13 and Brissett against, at 14. Bridgewater? So it's a toss-up. Bridgewater, if he plays, Drew Brees is saying he's going to play now. That's another odd thing that's kind of coming out of nowhere, but I got Bridgewater at 11 if he does play against Arizona. But yeah, I agree. Uh, you know I'm not the the Brissett lover on this podcast. Although, as the weeks go by, he's getting better and better. In real life, not necessarily. I mean, for fantasy last week, he killed it. So I, I just don't see a high-scoring affair in Denver. So I have him as a... I have a quarterback 15. So, I think he's not going to have a game like last week where you regret benching him. So we're similarly against- down on Brissett. Yeah. Marlon Mack. He had a down game last week. Denver, their their defense since from the beginning of the year has improved basically every week. They were they were trash the first couple of weeks. The first three weeks, they didn't have a turnover or a sack. They've been a lot better since then. Marlon Mack had his first real down game. Well, not his first down game. He's had down games. He's very on and off. It's Marlon Mack we're talking about, which is why we didn't love him. You know what Marlon Mack at his ADP. nickname is? His nickname this season is every other week. Every other week, Mac. And this is every other week. It's true. He's been 25-7, 16-4, 16-7 against Denver. This is a, a solid matchup in a game where I expect the I expect the Colts to be leading. I think they're a solid touchdown favorite in Vegas. I can see Marlon Mack getting 20 rushes, 80 to 100 yards, finding the end zone. I got Marlon Mack as my running back 13 this week. Man, people should have sold high on Marlon Mack after week one. I mean... Well, we've what the been... fuck have you done since then? 7, 16, 4, 16, 7. What the fuck do I want that for? I mean, everyone knows by now we weren't big Marlon Mack guys. But so be it. T.Y., thank you to Jiminy, your cricket Hilton. Why are you talking like that? To Jiminy, your cricket Hilton. All right, now you're using your normal voice. I don't know what kind of voice that was. T.Y., Jakimin, and a cricket right. Hilton. T.Y. Hilton, though. Chris Harris coverage. What do you do here with T.Y. Hilton? You start him as a wide receiver, too. Wide receiver, too, huh? I got him at 11. I, mean, I have him at 12. I'm not I'm not shying away. As long Me as either. he's healthy, I think he's been really good for fantasy purposes. The only down week, again, against KC. But, of course, that was when they just ran the ball down KC's throats. I'm trusting T.Y. Hilton this week, man. Only one week without a touchdown. Brissett's efficiency is helping T.Y. a lot. True that. Oh, how you? What are you doing about your man? Your main man, Zach Pascal. Listen, I've been a Zach Pascal guy whenever T.Y. Hilton is hurt. Uh, and I'm going to stand by that. I know he had a good game last week, and it was nice to see. He really he scored two touchdowns, seven, six yards. catches. Yeah. Uh, but I'm not going to do anything with that. I'm keeping him on my bench. I agree. But look, if he has another solid game this week, I mean, there is some upside here with Chris Harris shadowing T.Y. Hilton. Like, you got to think he'll have something. He did play less snaps than Chester Rogers. You got to be in a deep league if you're trying to start Zach Pascal. Fair enough. But if he has another good week this week, it's very interesting. So, stash him. Stash him and see how it goes this week. Stash him. Stash um, him. <laughs> Eric Ebron and Jack Doyle. Eric Ebron made one of the best catches of the year last week. That was a nice play. He's usually dropping catches every year. But he made a tremendous catch. Four for 70 and a touchdown last week. First time he had over uh, three receptions on the season. Want to hear a fun fact? Sure. The on and offness of Marlon Mack completely coincides with the on and offness. Uh, it completely wow. is the opposite of the on and offness of Eric Ebron. You're every right. game where Marlon Mack has not done well, Eric Ebron scored a touchdown. So you're saying fade Eric Ebron. <laughs> if this is a game that you believe Marlon Mack is going to do well, then you fade Eric Ebron. I agree, um, especially because Denver has been solid against a tight end. Uh, Jack Doyle at this point, you can't trust at all, right? Like, you can't start that. Oh, no, no way. Yeah. Anyone else on the Broncos Colts? No, right? We're moving on. Ain't moving nobody. On. Seahawks and Falcons. We got Russell Wilson. Against the Atlanta Falcons. Man, don't fuck this up, Schottenheimer. Please. 
please don't fuck this up because Russell Wilson could have a ginormous game against Atlanta. Like a literally absolutely ginormous game against the worst pass defense in the league. I have met number two behind Deshaun Watson only. He would be my surefire number one if I wasn't scared that Seattle would take a lead and just run the ball down Atlanta's throats, especially if Matt Schaub plays. But man, what a tremendous matchup for Russell Wilson this week. You know what? I fucking agree. Yeah, you got to you gotta lock and load him in your lineup. Tyler Lockett's my wide receiver six. Where do you have Lockett? Uh, I believe seven. Eight. DK Metcalf, where do you got him? I got him at 34. Uh, the ups and downs have been a little alarming, but he leads the league in red zone receptions, interestingly enough. And There's been... Look, if you have DK Metcalf in your lineup, it's either as a wide receiver, three, or flex. And in half PPR, there's only been two games where he scored below eight. So he hasn't killed you often. And that's because Russell Wilson is so efficient. And in a game against Atlanta, coming off of nine targets, I'm starting DK Metcalf. Yeah, Atlanta hasn't even been that good of a spot for opposing kickers because every time a team gets on their side, they score a touchdown. So DK Metcalf is a solid... You just, you just got kicker and got me uh, very confused. I don't know why we're talking about kickers on this podcast. Because, I mean, last week I was the number 10 overall kicker ranker, believe it or not. <laughs> so <laughs> Maybe we should start talking about kickers. Yeah, maybe I should start putting my kicker rankings out there. Uh, Jerron Brown, Jay. How do you feel about Jerron Brown? Any any love here for Jerron Brown? I like them as a cheap, free ad. Nah, man. Just nah. Really? Even in this... Glorious matchup. You don't think Chris Carson's going to get a lot of work even through the air? I do. But, I mean, Jerron Brown is, uh, he's getting more and more interesting. He had six, four, five, and six targets the last three weeks. Three for 60 last week. He's interesting. To say, I, I, you could, I have I'm, him as not, a, I'm not banking on five Jerron Brown targets. Yeah, I have him as a wide receiver five at the moment. He just, he's interesting for teams that are struggling. I wouldn't be surprised if he catches a touchdown. Chris Carson, though. So. Um, yep. I have Chris Carson as my running back six. I have him as my running back five. I mean, so. he's really settled in there. He he doesn't really disappoint. I mean, last week he did, but that's just because he didn't find the end zone. Uh, last time he didn't find the end zone against Arizona, he still put up 17. So he hasn't had less than 21 rushes since week three. Yeah, he's averaging around three receptions per game since week three. Rashad Penny's a complete afterthought at this point. Around twenty receiving yards per game since week three. Around a hundred rushing yards per game since week three. So you're looking at a twenty-one, a hundred, three thirty line with hopefully a touchdown against That's Atlanta. Not to love. Against Atlanta. Yeah, likely to find the end zone in my opinion too. He's found the end zone is in three of his seven games this season. So if he's gonna do it. Would not be surprised if it's this week. Moving on to the Falcons. Look, Dan Quinn swears Matt Ryan is going to play. He has the fifth longest active streak in uh, NFL history, so he wants to be out there. But, I mean, he hurt his ankle. He left the game. He hasn't practiced yet. It's looking like it might be a Matt Schaub week. It's kind of worrisome for all, even if Matt Ryan plays because of the injury. But 100%. Matt Schaub throws... Around, I'd say, 3.4 miles per hour. Yeah. But tentatively, I'm approaching this as if Matt Ryan is going to play. If he does against Seattle in a game that should be pretty high scoring, at least Seattle should score a lot of points, so they're going to have to pass. Matt Ryan has been the garbage time king this season. Evans, my number nine quarterback against Seattle. I mean, this is a great matchup for him. I currently don't have him in my rankings. If he's good to go, I'm going to have him as a QB1. This is a dream matchup. This is why it's upsetting that he's hurt. Yeah. Because everyone's going to take a step down. This is a dream matchup for the Falcons against Seattle. Seattle's defense has been great. And Atlanta's home. Russell Wilson's going to put up points. We want Ryan in there. Yeah. Wide receivers. Um, I got Julio at number three. If you have Julio, obviously he's locked and loaded. Again, if Matt Schaub is named the quarterback, this is going to change a bit. I'll move him down. But you're starting... Um, Julio Jones, obviously. He's going to have to find the touchdown again at some point. He hasn't found it since week three. And Calvin Ridley. Mohamed Sanu is gone. Calvin Ridley was listed as number two on the Falcons' depth chart. Finally, it looks like he's probably he's finally going to be able to, you know, just take this step up into being this main second guy there. 
well, third, like 1A, 1B, 1C with Hooper and uh, Julio, but Mohamed Sanu is leaving behind a lot of empty yards and targets that are going to have to go somewhere, which is great for Calvin Ridley and could start this week against Seattle. They, their wide receiver, their, excuse me, their cornerbacks have been good. Shaquille Griffin has been great, but then you got Trey Flowers and company, which have, have not been good. So if Shaquille Griffin's on Julio Jones, that could le- open up some space for Calvin Ridley. Honestly, the safest player, if Schwab starts, is pro- possibly Austin Hooper. Yeah, Austin Hooper's been a stud and a half, and Matt Schaub is old and cannot really throw downfield effectively at this point. So I agree. Um, I mean, at this point, if you have Austin Hooper, even last week when it looked like he was finally going to have a dud performance, he caught a touchdown to salvage his day at the end of it. And put up 13 half PPR fantasy points. I have a question for you, Michael, because you answered a question on Brodo. Let's just assume Matt Ryan is out. Right now, I'm ranking Freeman. Right now, I'm at 15, 14, assuming Ryan's in. That's a little odd because I assumed he was in for all the position players, but I didn't rank Matt Ryan. So uh, that's a little strange. You're you're odd. You're an odd guy. But if Ryan's out, what are you doing with Devontae Freeman? It's tough because Edo Smith has already been ruled out. Last time Edo Smith was out, Devontae Freeman got a workhorse uh, over 80% of the carries and 80% of the overall snaps and touches. So it's tough because, I mean, with Matt Schaub there, you got to downgrade everyone, obviously. The offense is not going to be the same. But Freeman could end up with like five to six catches with Schaub trying to dump it off to him, get like 15 to 20 rushes. But then if they're not able to keep it close, he's going to be an absolute wild card. Um I'd probably move him to low end RB two flex territory if if Matt Schaub were named the starter. I concur. Anyone else you want to talk about in this game? I say we go to the next one. Next one's the Giants and the Lions. The G Men. Daniel Jones has been very disappointing, bro. Yeah, I know. So I keep saying it's that I forget the name of it, but there's a bias where you just recency bias, bias, maybe recency bias. Not recently, because he's been bad recently. He might be anchoring. Confirmation bias. You see the first thing. He put up 34 points, and I are just stuck on that. And ignoring the fact that he's put up 14, 11, 8, and 11 in pretty good matchups sometimes. Washington and Arizona are in there. And Tim also pointed out that Evan Ingram, in games in which Daniel Jones was the starter, Washington, Minnesota, and Arizona, he has not surpassed five half PPR fantasy points. It is anchoring bias, where an individual depends too heavily on an initial piece of information offered. Thanks, lawyer guy. People got that anchoring bias for uh, for Daniel Jones right now. Fucking bars, bro. But Evan Ingram, yeah, hasn't reached double digits since week three, only has double digits in two of six weeks. This is exactly why I wasn't so high on Evan Ingram in the offseason. I mean, all this time you're trying to convince me of Evan Ingram after the first three weeks, it seemed like he was glorious. And now it's 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 been a little rough for Evan Ingram owners. Look, I liked Evan Ingram. I don't I have him in one league. We I was aboard the get a top end tight end or back the fuck off. And that would mean Kelsey Kittle and Ertz, who also have all disappointed. Fair enough. Um but yeah, Evan Ingram, if you have him, you're still starting him, right? Of course. I don't With see that being said, because yeah. let's look at who the tight ends are. But, like, if I had someone like Gerald Everett, I'd consider it. Hunter Henry, I'd start over him. Someone like Gerald Everett, uh, you, you have to think. Saquon Barkley I have as the number three running back this week against the Lions, who have been absolutely abysmal against the run, even with Snacks Harrison on the field this year. Um, came back 18 for 72, three for eight receiving, but it was a th- three-week absence with the ankle injury. Now he gets Detroit. I have right back in my running back three. He should be in line for a big game against Detroit. Yeah, hundred percent. I think the uh, the pass catch catchers are the tougher call here. I think Golden Tate's really the only reliable one. We've seen him have six, nine, and eleven targets going up every game. He's been back, put up nineteen and eleven half PPR points the last two weeks. So Golden Tate's entrenched into a wide receiver three role at the moment. Where do you have him ranked? I have him as my wide receiver thirty. I'm at twenty three. Interesting. I don't know. I, feel I think like he's going to do well. It's it's not the easiest matchup if if uh, Slay is going to be on him, but you don't know I exactly. Darius Slay, big play Slay makes plays, but he's not a lockdown corner. I mean, he's been solid. Anything? Any love for Darius Slayton? 
I'd rather not. He's he's done nothing in his. He's done nothing in his opportunities, really. Yeah, I'd rather not. Trey. Besides a touchdown against me. Shut your mouth, man! I'm crying out loud <laughs> to the uh, to the Lions. Lion, you're starting my Matt Stafford, right? You starting Matty Matt Stafford? Stafford. Matt Stafford. We said he's my wide receiver three. I'm in quarterback three. We were hopeful that he'd bounce back after last season once we found out that he was basically playing all of it with the broken back. And he's bouncing back, man. I love to see it. Because we, we are big Matt Stafford guys. We loved Matt Stafford. He's, he's usually a very decent QB fantasy option. And now he's back to being that QB fantasy option. And now against the Giants, can't ask for a much better matchup for Matt Stafford. I have him at QB7 this week. Yeah, I don't see how he'll disappoint. Like, we've seen him have disappointing games. This season, Philadelphia disappointed. Besides that, I like Green Bay too. But he's been very good otherwise. Yeah. And he just put up 30 points against Minnesota. A pretty tough, tough defense at home. Where else? He also played KC at home, put up 23. Also played the Chargers at home, put up 17. So he's been very consistent at home. And he's facing the Giants now. You also so can't think. You also can't think it's going to be a Kyler Murray type game last week where he only ended with seven because Chase Edmonds did all the work and they hardly passed. Now with Carry on Johnson out, right? But with Carry on Johnson out, Ty Johnson and J.D. McKissick are set to uh, step up. Ty Johnson is expected to be the starter. I have him right entrenched into my RB sixteen because when you're playing the Giants, you get to be placed into the RB sixteen spot, even if you're yep. unknown. I have him at nineteen, especially because he's going to be the main rushing back. Uh, we're not sure how the passing game work is going to delve itself out at the moment but he did see four targets and receptions last week carry on johnson was basically a workhorse before he got injured so fire him up against the giants uh jd mckissick went five for 29 and two for 31 likely gonna get some pass catching work and some extra work out there um any love for jd mckissick this week or would you rather wait and see with him i think he could at least have some flex appeal He's like a throwback to Dexter McCluster flex days. Uh, but it's just a tougher call because you don't really know what he's going to get. But against the Giants, you... I if guess he's talking about a plus-plus-plus matchup here. So it's interesting. It's very interesting. For uh, for the wide receivers, Kenny Galladay had one reception last week despite Stafford going nuts because Marvin Jones did absolutely all the work. That was odd, to say the least, to see Kenny Galladay get that little work. I think he bounces back in a big way. I have him as my wide receiver nine this week. Well, I have him at 10, so I agree. I mean, it's the Giants, man. What more can we say? Stafford's going to toss it, and Galladay's typically the wide receiver one. Last week was an anomaly where we've seen Marvin Jones have those games before. That flashback to Lambeau a few years ago. Uh, That was probably... I think it was the first year we ever did Brodo, and that was like my first bold call, like start Marvin Jones, and he destroyed it. So I still remember that day. But uh, Kenny Galladay's the guy there. So yeah. fire him up happily. Marvin Jones, you could start as a wide receiver three as well, though. Yeah, uh, what's it called? The uh, PFF does a cornerback wide receiver matchup rating as well. Kenny Galladay versus DeAndre Baker they have as the biggest mismatch. Marvin Jones is up there as well in the top 10 against Janoris Jenkins. I'm starting both these guys. You obviously can't expect Marvin Jones to have another four-touchdown performance, but I have him as my wide receiver 26. I'm definitely willing to put him out there and hope he finds the end zone again or just put up like 70 to 80 yards. Yeah, Marvin Jones is a, a decent option. Yeah, besides the Green Bay game, he's been at least solid all season despite a Despite not being amazing. And then last week, the four touchdowns, he anchored some teams to victory. Is TJ Hawkinson going to lure you into the Giants trap? Slightly. Slightly, he's going to lure me in because I have him at tight end 10. So only if I need to, I'll be lured in. Lured. But I don't love it. I don't hate it. Three for 27, four for 21, and three for 32 the last three weeks is not great, but... Against the Giants, with the tight end options that are out there in this world, you gotta at least, you gotta at least take the shot. Like I have him over uh, Vance McDonald, I have him over Johnu Smith, Greg Olson, Dallas Goddard, Dawson Knox, 
guys like that. No, I agree. Uh, I have them at. I have him at uh, 12. So there's a few people that I take him over. and But when you start him, you know that an awful game is likely, honestly. It's more likely than not. But against the Giants, it's a chance you have to take in this tight end back, uh, tight end minefield of disgustingness. Yeah. You're right. Uh, last game. The last game of the first slate of games. The Bengals and the Rams. Cincinnati Bengals vying with Miami to be the worst team in the league. Obviously, you're not starting Andy Dalton this week, right? Dude, why is that obvious? Look, as a quarterback, one, no. But, like, he's the 24th person on Fantasy Pros. I have him at 17. Look at what he's done this season. He's 18 or up every game except against Pittsburgh. Sorry, he had 15 against Baltimore. He's a solid QB, too. Yeah, I agree. With some upside. It's it's because the Bengals are so bad and it's done in garbage time that people are uh, are fading him, I think. But, yeah, I, I think you could use him in two QB leagues. I'm not using him in one QB leagues, though. You know what's fantastic? Tell me. For the first time ever, I have Joe Mixon ranked higher than the expert consensus. Joseph Mixon. And that's because I have him at 27 instead of 29. Look at the world coming around. Yeah, I have him at 26. Joining the Joe Mixon is trash bandwagon. It's pretty nuts. Like, we weren't drafting Joe Mixon this year at ADP. Because, you know, the obvious, the, the the offensive line, all that, blah, blah, blah. We also just didn't buy into Joe Mixon being a great running back. People were buying him at ADP because they thought he'd be able to counteract the bad offensive line. That has not been the case at all. If he didn't catch that touchdown, that two-yard touchdown last week... He would have ended with like 0.6 points overall. 10 rush attempts for two yards. 10 for two. That's like... That's one-fifth of a yard that's per worse rush. Than, that's worse than nine for 19. It's not. <laughs> All right. Ask, what's worse? 10 rushes for two yards or nine receptions for 19 yards? Oh, I thought you were talking about rushing. Yeah, nine receptions for 19 yards is really bad, but at least you're catching the ball. Ten for two. Not not fantasy wise. Like, what's just worse on the surface? Nine for nineteen might be the answer here. <laughs> yeah, maybe. Either way, uh, Joe Mixon. Yeah, I have him as flex territory at this point. It's really hard to trust him. I have him at twenty seven. Actually, I said twenty six. Um. Yeah, it's tough. You know who else I have higher than expert consensus by a lot? My dog Auden Tate. Interesting. You're buying into Auden Tate bounce back. What did it bounce back? Three for 65 is what you want from him. You picked him up to be a wide receiver uh, three, and he's put up 10, 7, 10, 12, and 8. You don't want three he's for def- 65. He's a definition of a flex slash wide receiver three. But, I mean, with Alex Erickson out of nowhere showing up, it's kind of hard to trust Auden Tate, especially against the Rams. If Jalen, You don't know if Jalen Ramsey is going to – uh, cover shadow Tyler Boyd or if he's going to move around and line up on the outside against Tate. Huh? Not going to lie to you. I have Tate two spots higher than Tyler Boyd. Higher? Up. Tyler Boyd, what? Where do you have Auden Tate? 31 and 33. Wow, I have Auden Tate at 45 and Tyler Boyd at 27. Boyd with 5-23-3-6 in the last two games. Through four games. He saw 14 targets last week. He has double-digit targets in every single game except two. Five of seven games with double-digit targets. Who's Jalen Ramsey going to Four of those games, double-digit fantasy points. You're kind of bugging out here, I think. Are you trusting Alex Erickson at all? No, 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 no. no. I'm not buying into that. That seems to just be a one-hit wonder type thing for Alex Erickson. Um, especially now they got the Rams and then they're going into buy. So do you really want to hold Alex Erickson through the buy as well? I'm not going to. You're not trusting any tight ends here, right? Uh, no, 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 no. So on to the last team, the Los Angeles Rams, Jared Goff, as we expected, bounced back from that absolutely atrocious showing to have a solid fancy game. But on the review episode, my down, uh, 
my stock downs were all Rams receivers because against Atlanta, sure, he played well, but he went 268 passing yards. He just happened to throw three touchdowns. 268 passing yards, 22 for 37 against Atlanta, 15 incompletions to 22 completions against Atlanta. Like, it was still not a great performance by Goff, but now he gets Cincinnati and even better, or not even better, equally as bad or maybe better. I have him like QB4 just because of how glorious this matchup is for him. Ah, way to way to go with that one, man. Just talk trash and say I have my QB four. I mean, what I'm saying, you could probably only use him in these two ridiculously tremendous matchups with the way 100%. he's playing, and that's why I never, ever, 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 ever draft Jared Goff uh, because he's a streamer that people draft to not be a streamer. You may when say, they come out of the bike, I'm a streamer. Baltimore, those are tougher matchups. This week against Cincinnati, you fire him up. Todd Gurley I got my as my RB7 because Cincinnati has been so awful as a defense, but they've actually been top 10 against wide receivers because they've been so uh, beatable by running backs through the air. The only issue here is whether Brown or Henderson steal touches. Brown has been ruled out. So, so I'm going to think whether about Henderson hair. steals touches. Huh? Whether Henderson steals touches. Yeah, so that's something to think about. I, I got Todd Gurley a 7. I'm... I'm firing him up. Do you like Daryl Henderson as possibly a flex option? Absolutely not. Yeah, I'm not doing it either. I know Cincinnati. He's done nothing. Literally nothing. Yeah, I know Cincinnati has been bad enough to start a backup running back on a team, but I can't do watch, it. Watch, watch Troy Hill end up playing better than him. That would that would be something. I'm not giving up on him for his career. It's just he's done nothing. So let's not start him right now. Uh, Cooper Cup back to back down games. After just being super dynamic the previous four weeks before that with the hundred yards and at least all in every one of them. Bottom two targets of the season, six and eight against San Fran and Atlanta. How you what are you doing here at Cooper Cup against Cincy? Fire him up, fire him up. Look, six and eight targets aren't that bad either. And if you're gonna start Jared Goff, it's if it's a week where you're comfortable starting Jared Goff, then that's the week you're excited about Cooper Cup. I have my wide receiver four. Yeah, I'm at wide receiver nine. I'm a bit down on him compared to consensus. Just the last three weeks have not been, the last couple of weeks have not been kind. And like I said, Cincinnati actually hasn't been terrible against wide receivers because of how bad they've been against the other positions. So Robert Woods, uh, Robert Woods, I have at 19. Where do you have Robert Woods? Robert Woods, I have at 19, brother. Yeah, Robert Woods, I mean. Obviously, it's been a down season, right? Like, you can't say it hasn't been. He only has one touchdown on the season, and it's been rushing. But he's getting at least five targets, uh, excuse me, five receptions each, each of the last three weeks, 48 yards, 80 yards, 164 yards. He's getting tar- – obviously, this is not including the San Francisco game, which was a complete mess. I mean, you have to include the San Francisco game. He ran for a touchdown in that game. But I'm saying tar- games where he actually was used as a receiver. So – it's just that he doesn't have that ceiling anymore, really, that he had last season. But he still seems to have at least a decent floor where he'll get you 10 points. So, as a wide receiver, yeah. two against Cincinnati, I'm trusting him. Yeah, he's definitely gotten to the point where in a game, in a tough matchup against Chicago or something, maybe you're going to bench him. Yeah. Uh, but against Cincinnati, I'm taking the shot. The final trio uh, wide receiver of the trio, Brandon Cooks. What are you doing about Brandon Cooks, man? Because he's been awful. He has not yeah. been trustworthy at all the entire yeah, season. That's what happens when your quarterback downgrades. Yeah, he's had one touchdown. This is a guy who's been a just perennial 1,000-yard receiver making big plays and splashes. It has not happened. People expected it to happen against Atlanta last week. Went 4 for 59 on seven targets. I mean, three games this season, he has over seven targets out of seven games. It just... It's not looking good for Brandon Cooks. He has not surpassed 60 yards each of the past three weeks because it's not like he's going to get you those red zone touchdowns either. It's tough. I have met my wide receiver 25 as an upside wide receiver three against Cincy, but this is kind of like the last week where if Brandon Cooks doesn't perform. You can't really consider him an every week starter at that point in three wide receiver leagues. I agree. It's tough to even consider him as that right now, but if you have him, you drafted him probably as a wide receiver two. Yeah. And he's facing Cincinnati. Yeah. It's not a better matchup. Gerald Everett, 
has been on fire. Probably with the decline of Woods and Cooks. I was going to say, that's probably why Woods and Cooks. Yeah, Gerald Everett is taking a step up a lot bigger part of the offense than he was last year and even the first half of this year recently. Eight targets, 11 targets, five targets, and 10 targets. The San Francisco game was just something to forget about for uh, Los Angeles, but against Tampa, five for 44 in a touchdown, seven for 136 against Seattle, four for 50 in a touchdown against Atlanta. Also had a 50-yard touchdown that uh, Jared Goff overthrew him. Otherwise, he would have had five receptions, 100 yards, and two touchdowns. I have Gerald Everett as a lock and loaded tight end, the one this week at number eight. Um, for the foreseeable future, unless something drastic changes, he is a lock and loaded tight end one. I concur. All right. That's the first seven games there, Jay. Oh, you are. Where could they find you? At Jason Patrop. You can find me at Mike underscore Patrop. You can find Tim at Tim Patrop. Shout out to Tim in the woods right now without service. Um, Thrive Fantasy, the Thrive Five, Thrive Five coming at the end of next episode. Uh, go to Red Cup News for your uh, college football needs. Patreon.com/slash Broto Fantasy to support the show for extra waiver rankings and things of that sort. Uh, waiver episodes, not rankings. The rankings are available on BrotoFantasy.com. So check out BrotoFantasy.com. That's where everything goes. All the pods, the articles, the rankings, the waiver rankings, true throw values coming soon for this season. That's gonna be very fun once that's released it's gonna be great yeah. a lot of a lot of nice knowledge thanks for listening all that good knowledge and part two is beginning right after this as soon as you click play or if you have the have it part set up two. where you know it's in the queue so it just starts right after use that queue baby all right later <laughs>